Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda Yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. So we've got a couple of uh, agenda items to, to look at here. Tonight we're going to be focusing, we're going to be finishing up with Dharna 1 uh, with a little emphasis on Hamsa, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And um, some quotes from Muktananda's book, I Am That. And uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and then I have to sort of talk a little bit about um, where we left off with, because there was a little... Um, sort of like translation issue that I ran into that I wanted to sort of clarify. Um, so I'm going to jump to that first, and then we'll, we'll sit together for a little bit. So there was this term, the Dwara Shanta, okay? And it came up in class, and it actually ended up becoming a part of our, our focal points, like where we were keeping our attention. That's why this sort of became a thing. If you look at the text that I was interpreting from, I'm not going to read all these, but Jayadeva Singh, Swami Muktananda, and Swami Lakshmanju, they all talk about this Dwara Shanta, and they're like, it's 12 fingers from the tip of the nose. Sometimes the tip of the nose, they say, to the outer space of where expiration uh, ends in the body. So you're like, I'm like, oh, expiration ends here. Muktananda is saying, it's the external heart. And I was like, oh, look, it's right here. And then Swami Lakshmanju just basically saying 12 fingers. So nobody was really saying where that 12 fingers measured to. Um, and so, uh, with further research, and I actually talked to Babaji about it too, that 12 fingers is actually measuring to the crown of your head so that this, um, semicolon, which is the heart at the bottom of the Visarga in the top, it makes a lot more sense. And so our awareness would be oscillating here from the crown to the heart. So I have to apologize based on what I had, uh, I did the best I could but I definitely misinterpreted it a little bit. Um, I will say that the concept of there being an internal and external pulsation for me still made the meditations very productive because I think in the end, that is the pulsation that it's going for. Part two of an explanation now coming up. So I checked in with Babaji about that. And while I was checking in with them, I just said, here's the practice as it's described in the Dharna. Does this feel like a productive practice for us, for our Sangha uh, to do? And he actually said um, that he wouldn't necessarily recommend that prescribed practice uh, for at this stage uh, in, in this format, et cetera. He talked a little bit about how the, it might not be good to be bringing your attention back and forth from the crown, that you really want to let the crown of the head naturally accumulate your awareness uh, through the practices that we that we do more um, sort of more on a daily basis. So made a mistake, but then ends up didn't totally matter. And it's actually good that I made the mistake because it gave me a chance to check in with Baba about our practices. So um, focusing down here at the heart, which is the original sort of reps translation, was sort of where we wanted to land with this dharma. So that's sort of a long way of just, just sort of filling you in on all the work that goes in behind the scenes and, and where we're landing. And then I also talked to Bob. I was like, well, our emphasis today is on Hamsa and Dharna 1. And he was like, that sounds great. So um, we will proceed with sort of the direction we were going to go in. But um, any questions or comments there before we, we sit for a little bit with this and then go into some material? Cool. All right. Great. Well, let's take a moment here with the Dharna, and then we're going to expand on it um, with uh, some additional material from Swami Muktananda and from Babaji. <clears throat> so from your, your seat, take a moment to establish that, that lightness through the spine. that balance
Babaji emphasized today when we were talking about this, the, the power and the need for really all of our practices to help us find a state of relaxation. Um, the work that, that he's been describing about getting beyond technique, I mean, it can be, dis it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Uh, but today, it was very clear that the reason we're, we're reaching beyond technique was so that we can relax our mind so that we can relax and sink into this natural state, which is what our work today with Hamsa is going to be about. But here, before we go into any material, just try to feel within yourself. Let each breath be a little bit more relaxing than the one before it. Let yourself imagine and visualize relaxing. Imagine this natural radiance in the heart. It's already there, right? And relaxing while remaining present allows it to shine through. It's already there. It's probably one of the most important teachings of the yogic tradition, the thing that really sets it apart. We're just uncovering. We're re-cognizing, we're realizing. So as the Dharna reads, Radiant One, this experience may dawn between two breaths. After breath comes in, down, just before turning up, out, the beneficence. After breath comes in, down, so feel the inhale as it sort of comes down and fills the heart, and just before turning up and out. So there is a point between the inhale and exhale that we feel at the level of the heart. There's a fullness, an experience of fullness here described in the text, a beneficence. In other translations from Lakshmanju, he uses the word uh, sort of a, a, a plentitude and an abundance. You can allow the eyes to open and just sort of reflect on that experience of trying to relax really deeply together. 
throat, shoulders, the scalp, the jaw. As we look a little bit further into this star and on together, and so uh, we'll begin with some footnotes from Jayadeva Singh that are echoed in Swami Lakshmanju and Muktananda's writing on the Starna. Marcella, are you available to read? Yes. Cool. Amsa and There is another important interpretation of the Starna. In inhalation, the sound of ha is produced. In exhalation, the sound of sa is produced. At the junction point in the center, the sound of n is added. So the whole formula becomes ham sa. The Paradevi goes on sounding this formula or mantra ceaselessly in every living being. Jai Deva Singh. Thank you. So here we see a familiar practice, and you could even say that we see the origins of that familiar practice in this ancient text, literally given by Shiva and Shakti to us. We see that the sound of the inhale is ha, the sound of the exhale is sa, and that there's this mm sound in the middle that creates the mantra we're familiar with. And then this interesting note that I'm going to sort of expand a little. The Paradevi, so the goddess or Shakti, goes on sounding this formula or mantra ceaselessly in every living, be living being. Sounding this mantra ceaselessly. That is definitely something that is the focal point of the Hamsa mantra. Um, I wanted to read a little story from Swami Muktananda. He, uh, he used to describe this, um, this point, um, this idea that this mantra is sounding and that we're really trying to hear it. All right. So there it is. So once there is a king, King Janaka, uh, he was sitting on the bank of a river, repeating Hamsa at the top of his voice, repeating it out loud, Hamsa. A sage named Ashtavarka happened to be passing by. He was a great knower of truth and enlightened being. When he saw Janaka, he was surprised. He knew uh, that Janaka was a being with great understanding. So he wondered, why was he repeating Hamsa in this manner? Great beings do not teach only through philosophical discourses, Swami Muktananda says. They use many subtle means to make their point. Ashtavarka watched Janaka for a while, wondering how he should instruct him. Then he had an idea. He sat down. In one hand, he had a water bowl, and in the other hand, he had a T-shaped stick, uh, which yogis use for support in meditation. He began to say very loudly, this is my water bowl. This is my yoga stick. This is my water bowl. This is my yoga stick. King Janaka began repeating his mantra even louder. So the sage began to repeat his mantra louder yet. After a while, after a while King Janaka became annoyed. He opened his eyes and asked, Oh, brother, what are you doing? What uh, I and then uh, what are you doing? asked Ashtavarka. I am repeating the mantra Hamsa, Janaka said. Ashtavarka said, I am also repeating a mantra. I am repeating, this is my water bowl. This is my yoga stick. The king said, have you lost your brains? Who told you that the water bowl and the yoga stick don't belong to you? Why do you have to go keep shouting on and on about it? The sage replied, it seems to me that you are the one who lacks understanding. Who told you 
that you are not that? Why do you have to go on repeating that you are that? When Janaka heard this, he suddenly realized that he was that, and that he did not need to go on repeating hamsa in this manner. One of the most fascinating parts of the mantra hamsa is that we don't say it out loud. Don't you think that's interesting? Every other mantra, you know, but we don't say this one out loud. It is repeating itself, and we're really listening for it. Yes, of course, we are repeating it in our mind and in our hearts, but there's something different going on here. Swami Muktananda has this to say right as he concludes that story. Um, Jatila, are you available to read? Or can I pass it over to Shar? I haven't heard from Shar in a while. It's so good to see you. Hi. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I think I got it. Go ahead. This is what we also need to understand. Hamsa is not a mantra that you merely repeat. What you have to do is become established in the awareness of the mantra going on inside you, in the goal of the mantra, in the pulsation which exists in the space where the syllables arise and subside. So we are trying to tune into it. And that is a very unique part of the practice of Hamsa. Um, and something that I feel like Babaji is constantly inviting us to explore in our practice, this concept of non-doership, this concept of relaxing and letting something else occur to come through. And so I have a, a quote here from Babaji as well that sort of continues with this concept. Um, Rajanima, are you available to read this next one? Uh, sure, it cuts off a little bit at the bottom of my screen, but I'll oh, do thanks. what I, I can, can do. There we go. All right. Instead of forcibly trying to control your breath, develop the ability to experience and witness it. Follow your natural breath flow, follow your natural breath flow, and attach it to the mantra Hamsa. A person who breathes approximately 26,000 times a day. If you can be aware of your inhalation and exhalation, you will make progress in meditation. When you can control your breath, you can control your mind. But first, you have to become aware of the breath. Don't use any forceful practices. Make friends with your breath and be aware of what it is doing in different situations. When you have a certain experience such as fear, anger, or bliss, you will find that your breath will concentrate in a certain area. If you start to pay attention, you will gain some wisdom. Thank you so much. So everywhere we look, the mantra hamsa is really associated with this witness, uh, a natural breath flow, um, this detachment, and this ceaselessness, right? 26,000 times a day. I mean, that's an uh, incredible amount of quote-unquote mantra repetitions, you know, that are occurring constantly. So, and then how the dharana also described shakti as expressing itself ceaselessly. Um, so let's take uh, a couple minutes to sit with this. We'll take a couple minutes to write and then we'll share a little because I'm actually really interested in, in your understanding and your experience um, of, of this, this ability, this capacity to really watch and to listen. So make yourself comfortable. You're welcome to have the eyes open or closed. You know, if you have a, a focal point that you'd like to use, go for it.
to coming back to the original Dharana from Paul Reps. Radiant one, this experience may dawn between two breaths. After breath comes in and just before turning out, the beneficence. Amsa means I am that. Babaji recently said in satsang, the that it refers to is something we must directly experience. Muktananda also says that it's not the personality, of course, it's this bigger self. As the dharana says, this experience must dawn in us, meaning we can't force it. It's a slow progression between a small self to a, a larger experience. And so try to feel there in the heart, this ceaseless expression of the self that's occurring. Ceaseless expression of the self. And try to respect the, the way that you're breathing as the expression of the self. Of course, as we relax more, the breath will change, but As you balance the breath, you balance the mind. Swami Muktananda teaches that it's an imbalance of breath that creates all the thoughts that distract us. Feel this balanced breath.
And for the last minute, you can try inhaling through the nose. And you can also try exhaling through the mouth. And this, I will admit, is slightly new for me, but it was mentioned today by Babaji as something worth trying. It might help some of us relax more deeply. So you're welcome to try that and feel its effect on you. You can move the spine a little bit. And so we've, we've taken time to look at the text. We've practiced a little as we've gone. Um, now it's time to just uh, let that experience that's inside of you um, share. Uh, let the internal and external experience start to merge by doing a little bit of writing. Um, just a couple minutes. Uh, remember the idea here is that as we attempt to feel that internal space and describe it, uh, it, it sort of helps sometimes to give us clarity on it. Um, it's not for everybody, but it's definitely a practice that has supported me, and it sort of is a part of this jnana yoga practice. So a couple of minutes there to just reflect on your experience of that practice or questions about it, questions or comments. Curious, how do you you know, relate to it. If you need a little bit of inspiration for your writing, you can reflect back on, well, the experience of hamsa being something that you listen for instead of repeat. That's a pretty big part of the mantra. The ceaselessness of its repetition. this theme of relaxing, whether that's something you feel like you're working with well or have questions about. Take a moment to finish the thought you're on.
and you know, let's take a little bit of time. Let's let's just reflect a little on hamsa or on the ceaseless repetition or the relaxing premise. Um, you're welcome to start the conversation by simply, you know, maybe you want to read what you wrote or just ask a question or a comment. Anyone want to kick us off? This conversation could go in a few different directions. So just feel empowered. Go ahead, Bob. There we go. I I looked down at what I wrote last week and I was like, hmm, that that kind of hits the nail on the head for me again this week. It says I wrote uh, the pro the surprise of recognizing the stillness is the door to joy as saw fades and before hum dawns an experience of lightness blooms in the heart and fills the space from the heart to the crown this space rings with a sound that the ears can't hear but in which the spirit floats wow you wrote that in the two minute pre-write I wow. wrote the second half in this two minutes. Really? Yeah, wow, you last, built on your the first right. part I wrote last week. Amazing. That was really special. Thank you for sharing that. That was pretty amazing. I'm Thank glad you. you mentioned the crown this week. After talking to Baba, mentioning. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, I have to be spotlighted for recording purposes, but please, by all means, go up to the right-hand corner of your screen and click on gallery view to see everybody. So sorry about that technical just challenge. Yeah, yeah, I was grateful to have checked in with Babaji. I don't, you know, you know, I feel like just a vessel. I'm really just trying to, what does this class want to be? What does Baba want it to be? How would it serve us? So yeah, I was grateful to, to have that chance. But yeah, thank you, Bob. It really felt like there was a um, definitely that feeling that radiance feeling came through in what you just said. Like it, it, you could really feel that radiance, and also that that quality of, of of letting something come through a natural flow, an observational quality. These seem to be the focal points of the dharna. You know. Thank you. Yeah, Yogita, I see you're unmuted. Go for it. Okay, what I wrote was Hamsa helps me go deeper and open wider. I, um, Ham brings me deeper inside my heart and saw I open up. I don't go out. I found that breathing through my mouth very distracting because I had to go up and think about my mouth. But I remember Baba saying that it's supposed to be opening you, not going out. But the saw, the hum so it's a um I, i'm watching it as it it takes me deeper in my heart and opens the heart wider so that's what i'm experiencing thank you yeah i think you bring up a really valuable point um another you know part of the discussion today <laughs> didn't realize there were so many points i really didn't realize there were so many points so that's the magic of babaji um is he was he was saying that you know we go into our heart with our inhale and it's so easy to just go out with the exhale and he was saying it's really important that the exhale is what actually helps you sink into the space that you just made that like that's the time to go in and to go deeper is with that exhale um it's mm -hmm. so easy to go out but he's like it's actually just the opposite like everything like that's the opening mm -hmm. so thanks for bringing that up Yeah. Jaya. Thanks. Um, I, I realized when we were doing that practice is that um, I, I only do the hamsa when I'm falling asleep. And I think because I have such a like deep sense of relaxation associated with it, that at that moment, when I realized that I was like, I can't reach for this during the day. Like, there's no way I can like relax this deeply <laughs> during the day. Um, so it was just kind of an interesting observation that some of the other mantras that I do, I kind of 
it, it almost there's like a tension of like reaching for something or doing something with them with the mantra or trying to achieve something with the mantra but mm. with this it does really feel like such an opening um, so yeah i really got that thank you i'm just sitting with that so did you have was there a challenge with staying conscious because you, you said you use it to go to sleep so much no not in this context um but oh. like if i'm around like going about my day i just don't like i don't think i could like that that level of relaxation is yeah. not available to me during the day yeah. somehow if that makes sense it does but it was you know i think oh go ahead nervous one more time it was just an intro i've never realized it but i'll try to play with it mm -hmm. yeah i think that uh, another way of experiencing hamsa in a in like our everyday um setting because it, it is such a it would be such a challenging mantra to repeat as like a mantra it, I, I i agree with you but it's this uh witnessing the ceaselessness of 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 shakti you know the 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 waves coming literally could be watching the waves roll into this but we're not always in that setting you know but there's like you like literally don't you bike to work or used to you do it yeah it's like if you were to just stop on your bike anywhere there's just these there's endless motion on the roads endless motion happening there's like endlessness of people walking by there's there's like there's wind and then there's no wind and then there's wind again there's for me it's like the the hamsa mantra in life is is really just uh trying to feel that pulse of of reality that's just ongoing as the text says multiple times ceaseless ceaselessly going um and and it's almost like that observation is your mantra uh, it's what keeps you present and it keeps you engaged in the present and it is really repeating itself and you're really just watching it so that's just one way that i've in in working with this darn and, and really that that was really something that's that expressed itself to me i was like oh the hamsa mantra is ceaselessly expressing itself shakti is ceaselessly expressing expressing themselves you know it seemed like it was trying to get us to see these two realities yeah rujanima yeah i was gonna say i i kind of connect with it in that way and for me it's kind of it's more comforting like and i think that like sorry my cat is over here if you hear that she's she's fine <laughs> cats <laughs> um, always know when the shakti's flowing yeah she's like is it dinner time yet no but um it's more like i it's comforting because it just reminds me that the goddess is always in support of my life of my existence you know um so yes yeah, so i i enjoy thinking of it like that hmm. And just sitting with that feeling. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really helpful. It's not just expressing itself ceaselessly, um, randomly, as you were putting it, as, as you were saying, it's, it's just expressing itself ceaselessly in support of your life. It's ceaselessly supporting you over and over, just like your breath is ceaselessly supporting you. That feels really good. And there is that final term over here, the beneficence, you know, which I really does have that same ring to it, that supporting, benefiting us. Thanks for Johnny Ma. Well, this is nice, you know, Hamsa is such a fundamental practice. You can go years without talking about it um but it's really nice to to have some time to talk about it to ground it in a little bit of philosophy to show its origins see some perspectives there was even a little story in there if you remember so it's sort of a good uh good little session on hamsa any uh 
comments or questions to sort of like bring us into that final part of class. Do you want to say something? Grab that mic. We have a comment right here. One second. This is from Colin, and um, just give me one. Um, see if I can get the camera on him real quick. Hello. Can y'all hear me? Cool. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but then I saw on the clock that it's 343. Um, and what I was looking at in my notes is the class where we talked about Shiva Sutra 3.43. Um, so, so I felt called upon to say something. Um, I don't know what the full sutra is because my notes are kind of messy. But what I have written down here is entering the breath prana is the first change of God consciousness. This is the initial step towards manifestation. Um, and when we did this class, that really sat with me. And I feel like um, recently I've been doing a lot more work with Hamsa on my own, like in the evenings. Um, and I kind of relate to Hamsa in that way. I think I really resonate with, um, and like that story you just told, how it's not something you're like with other mantras that you would necessarily start by doing outright out loud, but almost like something that you're just tuning into. And kind of as you soften and open, um, there's like an internal listening, even though you're doing the repetition internally. Um, and I feel like as I continue to do the practice, um, the reason it reminded me of this sutra is because I find myself um, feeling more intimately the relationship between my breath flow and my experience of the manifestation of my reality around me. Um, just kind of like how like yesterday for example i was telling sachman abaya um i decided to go surfing and there's some massive waves here currently because of a storm and it was a pretty scary experience um, i got caught in a rip current and i had to paddle for like 30 minutes um, but for some reason there was a moment where i just felt myself freaking out um, and my breathing was getting really accelerated and my like body was kind of cramping um, and i just reconnected to the breath um, for a moment while I was in the midst of all this chaos and everything sort of softened and then the whole situation seemed to open and soften and I was able to get out all right and everything was fine um, and that so I guess that's kind of like a more extreme example but even at like subtler levels I notice kind of as I'm able to connect and listen to that hamsa that's going on all the time my experience of reality um, can change or open glad it was 3.43. In, in some quotes that didn't quite make the cut for tonight, because there's just only so many quotes I feel like we can fit into one class, Swami Muktananda definitely goes out of his way to say in multiple times that... Um, oh, Sachin, we can't hear you very well. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. I'm assuming this is better. Thanks. Rechargeable batteries, you know, they only last uh, a year, but better than every week. Um, but yeah, what I was saying is Muktananda had, had numerous quotes uh, in this text about literally the whole books about I am that Hamsa, about um, the relationship between an uneven breath flow and a disturbed mind, just thoughts worries all that stuff. he's just like they're one in the same they're one in the same when your breath flow is uneven your mind is busy you even at your breath flow the mind calms it's just like one concept it's a mirror image so yeah i think you really address that really clearly in that that relationship is is real yeah so uh, it seems only fitting that we should take the uh, last part of class here to sit together. Would you be able to grab that microphone stand? So make sure you're comfortable. This was another part of class. Babaji said it was really important that we always get to. He said, we always end with meditation. We don't just talk. He's like, good. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Looks like this mic will work out all right. Thanks again, everyone, for, for feeling inside during this class and making that sharing session so real. Let's, you know, jump right in to this experience to really just to start listening. Feel your body in space, like feel how you're sitting. Observe your seat. When you observe your seat, you naturally know how to balance it, right? You wouldn't sit in an imbalanced way if you could see it. So observe your seat and watch yourself naturally find balance. And then the next kosha, the next layer, once that seat balances, the breath is easier to feel. And it's really no different. If we can bring our awareness to the breath, we will naturally balance it without any doership. Feel the forehead and the eyes soften, whether they're open or closed, they can still be soft. Feel the jaw, release any excess tension. The base of the skull where it meets the neck, light floating. Occasionally swallowing to release any tension in the throat. Shakti is expressing herself in the form of your breath, ceaselessly supporting you. Benefiting you. The inhale draws your awareness towards the heart. And the exhale is the opportunity to really sink into that space.
If you find yourself repeating the mantra willfully, like King Janaka, try to relax and listen and, and feel. Relax that thinking mind and let the Shakti bring you the experience of the breath.
allowing the spine to move in small circles, shoulders and neck relax. So hopefully this class tonight allowed you to explore some hidden depths in a practice that might seem familiar and allow you to really go for those depths in your personal practice. Times when we meet up like this are, are invaluable, right, for refreshing our practice. But the times in between these classes is when the depth of our practice, you know, is really created. So hopefully this work with Hamsa can help you find that, that, that content you know, on a daily basis to take your practice to that transformational level. And I do have one little uh, more announcement to make here. Um, gosh, that's really hard to read. I'm going to give it a background. How about that? Can you believe it's time for daylight savings again? Um, boy, Here's the thing out here, we don't change our clocks. So this is going to mean that our class next week is going back to 7 p.m. Mountain Time. I feel like we just figured out when this class was starting. Uh, <laughs> so that is, you know, it's a, it's a lot. We're juggling a lot out here um, as far as schedules and everything. So next week when Daylight Savings hits, this class has to stay at the same time here in Hawaii because it's the only time our schedule will permit it. And it will move to this seven o'clock time in Mountain. Any questions? And I'm handing this over to my supervisor wants to clarify. Um, I, they don't need to see me. I just, <laughs> um, I know for some people, <laughs> um, here I am, the earlier times more convenient like marcella all the way there on the east coast um and so i just wanted to share i know there's some people that haven't been able to come since we moved it to the earlier time and so if you're disappointed um first of all sorry um and it's just it's almost like service to the other yogis that haven't been able to make it so i'm sorry that it doesn't work for everybody all the time but i know some people will be excited that they'll be able to join so thanks for sharing um with everybody uh, satyam's reassuring you that daylight savings will come again <laughs> let you go everybody's time is valuable thank you for those extra minutes i will remind everybody about this thing on facebook um, have a great weekend isn't it around the weekend yeah have a great weekend thanks for being here